Welcome to week two of The Good Life, and I just want to let you know, uh, if this is your first time, we're so glad that you're here. Um, if, you, if you were not with us last week, maybe you were away or, or whatever, you, you have got to go back and tune in to last week's message. Um, it was so powerful to me that I actually, after, after being at church, both services last week, I actually went home and, and downloaded it and watched it again because I, I just, I had to take it in. I mean, there, there, was, there was so much to digest and I just want to say, and a number of you were, were there for it and you experienced it, but um, this, in, in terms of understanding Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, really getting a, a high-level, big-picture understanding of what it's all about and really the most foundational principle in the Christian life, um, that, that sermon is just, it's a, it's a masterpiece. So I, I want to encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to tune in last week, please go to our website, trygrace.org, check out our podcast, find a way, uh, and make sure that you get caught back up. It's called First Things First. And um, so make sure you do that. Well, um, we all want the good life, don't we? I mean, who doesn't want the good life? The nice white picket fence, the beautiful house, the perfect little family, the great job, you know, all the things that come with this picture in our mind about what it means to have the good life. We all want it. Yet, what I find, it's, it's really hard to get. Because it seems like just when I think I'm getting close to the target and I've almost got that good life, somehow it, it moves. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you dream about, oh, this job I'm going to get or, you know, this, this condo or this house or, or whatever. And, and you finally get there and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, that was cool. But actually now the good life, it's, it's up here. And so you keep chasing it and you keep pursuing it. And, you know, those those, those highs that we experience, those accomplishments, those accolades, those relationships that finally come our way, you know, those, those jobs that, that finally we land, all of a sudden, like that satisfaction that we thought would be so lasting, we find it's fleeting and it's gone. And then we're off to pursue the good life once again. It's a funny thing, the good life. Because I don't know about you, but to me, it's like, it's just within reach. You, you can see it. It's right there. But yet, you can never quite take hold of it. You know what I mean? Well, today we're going to take a look at what Jesus has to say about the good life. And Jesus, in this verse we're going to look at today, I don't know if you've ever uh, listened to a one-verse sermon, but you're gonna, you got one today, so it's very exciting. Um, if you get overwhelmed with lots of information, you're a happy camper. Um, we're going to take a look at one verse in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and it has to do with one of my favorite all-time topics, and that is the topic of salt. We got any salt fans out there? Just love some salt. Yeah, you can't help it. You got to make some noise if you like salt. You know, you just, oh, come on. So here's the thing, man. I just love salt. Doesn't salt just make everything better? I mean, and salt now is like, it's invading everything. I mean, now it's in chocolate, right? It's salted, we salt caramel ice cream. I mean, there's nothing that won't work with salt. That's why bacon, you know, bacon goes in everything. It's because bacon's basically salt. You know, I mean, that's basically what bacon is. So, so you know, I, I absolutely love salt and so do my kids. So I have uh, three kids, 10, eight, and five. And... Um, 
a regular thing at our uh, dinner table is is making sure that either my wife or I, one of us, is monitoring the salt shaker because um, because they just they just go after it. So the other night we were sitting there having dinner, and uh, my oldest daughter just grabbed the salt and she starts to salt her chicken, which it needed a little salt. I mean, it really it really did. Just take my word for it. And then she moves the salt shaker over to the potatoes. And you know, I mean, potatoes definitely need salt. There's no one's going to argue about that. So, so she salts the potatoes too. But then she moves over and starts to salt the kale salad. Now, here's the deal with the kale salad. We only make kale salad one way in my house. This is the only way my kids will eat kale, which is a miracle all in and of itself. But anyway, my kids will eat the kale if it's tossed in a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of soy sauce. Okay, olive oil and soy sauce. It's like the saltiest salad you could ever possibly eat, okay? And she starts to salt the kale salad. I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Stop. She's like, but dad, it just needs a little salt. I'm like, no, it doesn't. So we're constantly having to just watch that salt shaker to make sure that nobody, you know, does anything and oversalts things. We're trying to, to monitor that situation. But I got to tell you, my youngest, my five-year-old, She's sneaky. You always got to watch the youngest. You know what I'm saying? Those youngest siblings, man. So, so you know, once the dust has settled and, and uh, you know, whatever, and, and she sees kind of a lull in the action, she'll just reach her little hand out and grab that salt shaker. And she didn't even care about salting food because she's real picky, so she doesn't really eat too much food. But she'll just, she'll just sprinkle some salt right on the plate, just straight. You know what I'm saying? She just gets, gets a little salt, slides the salt shaker away. And then when she thinks nobody's looking, this is what she does. She just goes. And she just... Finger to tongue, finger to tongue, over and over and over again. But we are huge fans of salt in my house. Now, some of you are freaking out right now, and you're going to send me an email this week with some links to some studies about salt consumption and health. And you know, that's super cool, but I, I, I want to let you know I'm ready for you. I've actually got some studies that, that show the alternate stuff. You know, they, they've found some studies now where actually salt consumption is a good thing, for certain people, not for everybody. Yeah, I see some people clapping down here. You're excited. So, you know, I don't, I don't exactly know what the deal is. You know, I mean, you've got, you've got the Japanese, you know, one of the highest um, consumers of salt, and then also with, with some of the longest life expectancy in the world. So I don't, I don't get exactly how that works. But here's, here's what I do know. There are certain things that just need salt. They can't live without it. Anybody know what these are? Yeah. But these aren't just pretzels. No, 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 no. These are unsalted. Unsalted pretzels. Yeah. Disgusting. Here's the thing. I can't believe these things. I, I got this from the grocery store this morning. I can't believe they sell these. Like that these move off the shelf. This is amazing to me. There's only one reason that I can come up with for why these are actually packaged and sold in the United States of America. And that is to be dipped into some chocolate and put on a tray and served at a party. Okay, that's the only reason. Because you can't consume these. These are, these are unpalatable. They're, they're terrible. So let, let me just ask, okay, because we actually did have somebody in first service. Is there anybody who legitimately, be honest, you enjoy eating unsalted pretzels plain. There you go. Okay? 
Thank you for taking them because I wasn't going to take them home. I mean, they're just absolutely, I, I, God bless you. Open them up right now. Just feel free. Snack through the service. Share them around. You know, awful, awful unsalted pretzels. But God bless you. Um, so there's one other thing that's kind of baffled me for, for a while. And, um, and that is, you guys know what this is. It's awful. It's actually called cauliflower, but good. That's close. That's close. So, um, cauliflower is a weird thing. I find everything about cauliflower to be weird. I think the color's weird. The texture, that's weird. Okay. You know, when you eat it raw and it kind of just crumbles into your mouth, that's weird. And you know what else is weird? The name cauliflower. To say that a couple times, it starts to get weird in your brain. You know, cauliflower, cauliflower, cauliflower. Okay, this stuff is crazy. So through my life, I had those great parents that would force food on you at different times to try and keep you healthy. And I've just never, ever, ever enjoyed cauliflower. So as soon as I was making my own decisions and not uh, under someone else's roof, I stopped eating cauliflower. But then every now and then, you know, I think maybe I just don't have an open mind about cauliflower. I try and you know, eat a lot of different foods. And so every now and then, maybe once a year, I'll, I'll take a bite of cauliflower. And inevitably this happens traditionally, like at some sort of a Super Bowl party or something like that, where you get the veggie tray. You, you know, tonight, if you, if you have a little Super Bowl party, you go hang out with some friends or whatever, inevitably someone's going to bring the veggie tray to the party. And what's fascinating to me, I've never understood this, is how in the world did the cauliflower make the cut for the veggie tray. Because you know what's crazy? I mean, we all love the baby carrots. I mean, those, those have to be there, you know? The celery, I mean, that's good with the ranch or the blue cheese dressing in the middle. So that, that makes the cut. Those little uh, grape tomatoes, you can just pop those in your mouth to kind of like candy. I mean, those are, those are nice. And the broccoli, you know, there's some broccoli lovers out there. So I get the broccoli. But the cauliflower? What's the deal with the cauliflower, man? You, you watch tonight, okay? Would you check out the veggie tray? No one will eat the cauliflower, okay? No, nobody. It will be untouched and then thrown away. So I don't know who lobbied. Like there's some genius person who's ahead of the cauliflower market and they somehow got cauliflower into the veggie tray. It is the craziest thing in the world. So every now and then I'll dip the cauliflower in, you know, just try it maybe once a year, dip it into the ranch dressing and, and taste it. Maybe I just haven't given this a shot, you know? Maybe my taste buds just haven't, you know, matured enough. It's disgusting, okay? It's, it's, it's awful, it's awful. So last year, my wife got this challenge at work. My wife works at a hospital, she's a nurse. And there were a whole bunch of nurses doing this um, Whole30 paleo uh, challenge thing for, for the whole month where basically you don't eat any processed food, you eat all whole foods and all this stuff. And so my wife does this challenge and all of a sudden, so that meant I was doing the challenge, you know, and the kids were doing the challenge, like everyone's doing the challenge, which is great. Appreciate that. And all of a sudden, all kinds of crazy stuff is, is being purchased and being served at dinner, like stuff I'd never seen in my life, couldn't pronounce the name of. And, um, and cauliflower was one of those things. And oh my goodness, can I tell you? So my wife, she took the cauliflower and she like broke it all up. And then she, she just tossed it uh, in a little bit of olive oil, put it in a pan about 450 for about a half hour or so. And just put this one other thing on it. What was it again? Thank you. Salt. 
just salted up that cauliflower real nice and just kind of baked it to a, to a nice little crisp brown. Oh my goodness, it was delicious. I couldn't believe it. I see some people, you are some, we have some cauliflower lovers in the house. Who, but now here's the question though. We get cauliflower lovers like that. You know, you bake it up and you put the salt on it and you know, then it, then it actually redeems it. But who, does anybody eat this straight, like just straight up? <laughs> yep, there you go. I'm still not that sold on it because here's the reality. It's not about the cauliflower. The cauliflower isn't the reason that that meal was great. It's the salt. It is the salt, baby. That's what makes that cauliflower delicious. Okay, so um, Jesus talks about salt in um, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament. This is the tax collector, Matthew, his account of Jesus' life. And in the fifth chapter, the 13th verse, Jesus is talking to his disciples and then the crowds, other followers who are gathered to listen to what Jesus had to say. And he said to them, now check this out. By saying to them, that means he was also saying to us. If you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're trying to apply some of Jesus' teachings to your life, he's actually talking to you. These words, by extension, are said to you today. He says, Matthew 5, 13, the first part of the verse, you are the salt of the earth. Now, if you're a salt fan, that makes you happy right off the bat, because that's got to be a good thing. But I got to tell you something. If you've grown up in church and you've heard this before, or maybe you've just heard the expression, salt of the earth, you cannot appreciate just what a powerful statement this is that Jesus makes. And here's why. Because 2,000 years ago, salt wasn't just a flavor enhancer. It wasn't just something you put on your pretzels to make them taste a little bit better or sprinkled on your cauliflower so you could actually choke it down. No, 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 no. See, 2,000 years ago, while that was one of the purposes of salt, man, salt was life. See, salt, back when they didn't have refrigerators or freezers or any sort of modern conveniences, salt was the way that food was kept from spoiling. So it was actually a matter of life and death. The Romans back then were known to have said that other than the sun, nothing was more valuable than salt. In fact, many Roman soldiers were paid their wages in salt, which is actually where we get the expression, he's not worth his salt. That's where it comes from. Salt was vital. In fact, nations through history actually went to war over salt, if you can believe that. What a precious resource salt was. And so Jesus here, he says to us, you are the salt of the earth. And then a couple of verses later, and it's just a one verse sermon, so we're not going to, I'm not going to read anything else because that would break the rule. But a couple of verses later, he then says, you are the light of the world. So Jesus has just named the two most important resources of that time. And he said that this is who we are, and we are to be salt in a world that's desperate for it. Now, 
I want you to catch something, okay? So if you tuned out for a second, I need you to tune back in because this is really, really important, okay? Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus goes through a whole litany of commands, all sorts of moral and ethical imperatives, all sorts of instructions for us on how to live the good life. But here, Right here in this verse, and when he says that we are light, these are the only two places in this entire epic work, this Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus doesn't just give us commands, but he actually says, this is who you are. You are salt. You are light. So what Jesus is saying to us, don't miss this, is it's, this isn't just something that we're supposed to do. No, 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 no. This is actually who we are. This is our very purpose in this life. This is our identity. This is why we exist, to be salt in a world full of unsalted pretzels and cauliflower, no offense. That is why we're here, to be salt, to bless this world. He goes on to say, the rest of that verse, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, this is kind of a curious verse because salt, by definition, can't really lose its saltiness. But here's what was going on in that region at that time. When they would, um, how they would get the salt was primarily from the saltiest sea in the world, which is what? The Dead Sea. And they would, they would harvest from, from the Dead Sea. Uh, I think we might have a picture of it. There it is. Um, this salt, I mean, it would just, they would just grab these salt uh, flats and they would, they would harvest the salt. And what would happen is every now and then, as they were harvesting the salt, they might also extract or pick up some other things that looked like salt, but actually weren't salt at all. And so if you had a batch that was contaminated enough, it actually wouldn't be salty. It wouldn't be even worth it. And the only thing that you could do is just throw it out. And so what Jesus is saying to all of us is, look, you are the salt of the earth. You've got to stay salty. Whatever you do, you must remain salty. So the deal is that if salt isn't salty, if it's not flavoring something, if it's not enhancing something, if it's not preserving something from spoiling, if it's not serving some sort of purpose, if it isn't blessing something that it comes alongside, then Jesus says, it's no good. We've got to stay salty. The reality is that salt doesn't exist for itself. And neither do we. This is so incredibly different from our culture today. What we hear in society, the messages that we receive all the time. Because I don't know about you, but the messages I'm constantly hearing is, it's all about you. It's all about me. <laughs> well, we tune into the Super Bowl tonight. Every single one of those commercials that we watch, by and large, has one message. You are just one product or service away from the good life. Just click here. Just call now. It can be yours. See, the message that this world sends to us 
is that the good life is found by what we get. It's like if we are a salt shaker, this represents a human life. The good life is just all about what can you cram in here? Like how much, how much can you pour in? And if you can get enough in, your life will be so good. You'll be so filled up. Everything will be wonderful. And you know what Jesus says? He completely turns that upside down. He says, no, 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 no. The good life isn't found through what you get. Not at all. The good life is found through what you give. So this really makes sense to me in many ways because, you know, the deal is, we live our lives and there's all this stuff. We have all these goals. We have all these things that we want. We have all this stuff that we buy. We have all these things that we do. And really, I don't know about you, but I'm just gonna be honest for, for myself. This is all, I'm just trying to fill up you know, my little salt shaker. I am just trying to have the most full, awesome, cool, complete life that I possibly can. And so all this stuff, I'm just like, okay, let's get it in. Let's, yeah, awesome. Can I just be, and I'm like, why, why am I not, come on, get in there. Why, why am I not, you know what I'm saying? Is anybody feeling me? Well, how come I'm not fulfilled? You know, the commercial said, come on, how, how come, still, is it rising? Come on. Do we see any, oh, there's a few going in. Okay, nice. Okay, you know what I'm saying? What is the deal? Well, the deal is, Jesus says, because this isn't how it works. Our world says this is how it works. Jesus says, no. You want something crazy? This is what Jesus says. He says, that's not it at all. It's actually upside down. This, this is the good life. When we start pouring ourselves out for other people, this is when we come alive. This is fulfillment and satisfaction that lasts this is what it means to be part of this world. This is what it means to really come alive when we start doing this. See, the good life isn't found through what we get. It's found through what we give. When you came in, you got a couple of salt packets, okay? One is for you to keep as a little reminder for today, but the other one I need you to pull out right now. Pull out one of those salt packets and um, just go ahead and open that up. Pop Pop that open, it's okay. It's all right. And I want you to pour all of that, that packet out, just the one packet, pour it right into your hand, all right? Now, if you love salt, you're gonna be tempted to eat this right now, but just, just keep it in your hand. And I, I just want this as a tangible reminder to you, okay? As, as I just tell you a little story of something that happened last weekend. So last Saturday, eight days ago, a group of people from Grace went out and they helped somebody move. Does anybody love helping somebody move? Isn't that like the, okay, we got one guy. I mean, it's like the worst job. Can we get your number? <laughs> Let me give us a contact or something. Okay, everybody, you need to move right here. Okay, so, so you know, moving, I think, is one of the most miserable ways to serve on the planet because here, here's the reality. You know you're going to walk in. You have no idea what you're going to find. Everybody says, oh, yeah, we're all ready to go. I mean, you've heard that before, right? So you walk in, and the place is chaos. You're, you're paranoid you're going to break something, right? You don't want to do that. Everything's got to be meticulously packed up. And it always takes much longer than we thought, right? And then it's 
a lot of times it's back-breaking work. I mean, it is just miserable. So a group of about, I don't know, eight or nine people from Grace went out and they helped a young lady move, 29 years old. Now, I think that's a fairly miserable way to be salt and to, you know, pour out our salt uh, in this world. But what made this even more challenging, even tougher, was the fact that this 29-year-old young lady, none of them knew her at all. Like, none of them had ever laid eyes on her in their life because this was like through someone who got in contact with someone from this group. And uh, they basically said, listen, we got this uh, young lady, and she's a friend, and um, she, she needs to move back to Colorado because she's, she's dying of cancer. And she's only got a few months left to live, and so it's just, just a really tough situation. And she's going to be there, and a couple of family members are going to be there, and they could really use a hand. So, of course, I mean, this is what I love about our church, you know? I mean, people are just like, sure, I'm there. But what was just amazing, as you can imagine, if you just, just imagine that you got an email or you got a phone call from someone you knew, they said, we need your help Saturday. We need to help somebody move. Of course, you'd be like, okay. But then think about what it's going to be like to be in that place and, and what that's going to feel like. I mean, can, can you can you just imagine for a second like how nervous and awkward and like how, like what's that gonna, what's that gonna be? So this group of people went out there and I talked to my friend who kind of ran the point for, for, for helping out. And she said, man, it, Derek, it was so just tense. Like it was, we didn't know what to say or how to be or, you know, we just, you know, we just tried to help as much as possible and tried to, you know, sprinkle our salt. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was one of those things that it's kind of cool. As, as people from Grace started to come, like they just kind of came one at a time. And as they, as they came in, um, at first it was really tense, but then after a while, the mood started to lighten a little bit. And, uh, and all these hands and all these strangers and, and all this salt just in the room, it started to really lift things. You know, it, the work was pretty easy. It went very quickly and I mean there was definitely a huge lift in the room this group made a big impact I'd love to tell you that as a result of this that this young lady this 29 year old um, who we didn't really know where she was in her spiritual journey or anything like that um, I'd love to tell you that you know as a result of these wonderful people going in there and the prayers that they were praying for her, like she was miraculously healed of her cancer. But that that hasn't happened. I'd love to tell you that, you know, while they were there, there was just this, this like, just this light came into the room and like the presence of God was palpable right in the middle of the room. And there was this unbelievable peace and, and there was this like epiphany that happened right there. But it didn't didn't happen. And I'd love to tell you that, that she had, she wrote some amazing letter or there was some in, in fabulous soundbite that she, she gave, but you know what? She didn't have words. She didn't have words. She just said, thank you so much. And everybody knew that she was really grateful that this group was there. You see, all this group did was just, just sprinkle a little salt 
They just sowed some seeds. We don't know. We don't know what, how God's using that. We don't know where this is all headed. It's funny, I, I, I talked to my friend and I asked her, I said, so, you know, how was, how was the day for you? She said, oh man. She said, Derek, I got home. She said, and I just collapsed when I walked in the door. She said, it was so emotionally just intense. She said, I got home and I just broke down. She said, I was completely exhausted, not from the physical work, but just the entirety of the experience. Makes sense. But then she said something that I'll never forget. She said, but Derek, there is nowhere else I would have been. There is nothing else I would have done with my day than that. You see, the reality is that she had experienced the good life. We are so consumed and caught up, I know I am, with what we can get, how we're getting filled up. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't ever miss the most important truth that you aren't to try and get the salt in your shaker. You are the salt to be shaken out all over this world that is desperately in need of salt and light. In a world that there's tremendous suffering, in a world that there's tremendous hurt, Jesus says, guess what, guys? I'm going up there. I'm going to reserve a place for you, but right now, you guys, here's the baton. Guess what? All those miracles, all those works, all the encouragement, all the amazing stuff that Jesus did. He says, guess what, guys? Your turn. You're now the salt. You got to go sprinkle yourself out there in this world so desperate for it. And that, that is how you actually experience life, the good life, the kind of life that we all want to lead. Now, you're probably sitting here like, okay, that's a great story. What the heck am I supposed to do with the salt in my hand? You're like, where do I dump this? How does this, some of you have already dumped it. Okay, so here's, there's only one rule. You are not allowed to just pour it on the floor. We gotta keep this auditorium just as we found it. Okay, I'm gonna clean this up later, don't worry. So you must wait to sprinkle your salt until you, until you vacate the premises, all right? And here's the thing. This is, this is part of why I wanted to do this this morning. Because now you have, you have a little problem, don't you? You gotta do something with this. This is kind of annoying. And from, from the last word I speak to the final verse that we sing to you walking out of here, you are gonna be somewhat preoccupied with the fact that you have to go sprinkle some salt. And that's exactly the point. Because you see, this is a metaphor for how we are to live our lives. When we walk out of these doors, we are to be preoccupied with being salt in the world. We are to be preoccupied with how we can be a blessing in this world. Where can we sprinkle a little salt and a little light as we go on out our day? That's really for you to figure out. So 
That's the challenge before us. Jesus says, you, me, we are the salt of the earth. Let's pray. God, we look for the good life so many places in so many ways, God. And we can get so caught up sometimes in what we can try and achieve, what we can try and obtain, all these things that, that we get because we believe we'll be blessed. God, thank you for the timeless truth that this good life is actually found in what we give and pouring ourselves out. God, let us be so mindful of the people around us, of this world that is desperate to be salted, to be lit for you. We thank you so much. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.